I want to speak just, this is a little bit different devotion. I want to speak about one of the greatest tools I think we overlook sometimes for winning the lost. That is the art of listening. I've had many phone calls I've forgotten, but I haven't forgotten the one I received from our son his first year in college. Uh, I didn't have to talk long to him on the phone, but I could sense something was really bothering him. And uh, he went on to say that he was really struggling. He went there on a partial football scholarship, and and I knew it was going to be tough for him as a freshman going in. And uh, as a dad, a Mr. Fix-It dad, I was so quick, you know, to try to do what dads do, give advice. And... Uh, <clears throat> But he told me, he said, and I've never forgot this in 20 years. This has stuck with me. Dad, I didn't call you to fix me. I called hoping you would listen. I didn't call you to fix me. I called hoping you would listen. And uh, so tonight I want to share for a few moments the importance of listening. And, you know, if we're going to be a better witness for Christ, I believe listening is the first step. I really do. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm still trying to get better at it. To slow down and ask God just to silence my heart and be better at listening. And I keep praying that God give me ears to hear. James 1.19 tells us, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Matthew 11.15 says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Proverbs 18.13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Many of you that know me know that I like to get up really early in the morning, and I'm not going to tell you what time, because you'll say you're, you'll say you're crazy. But uh, I, I like to talk to God before I talk to anyone else. Uh, and I wouldn't trade those times, just me and God alone, for anything in the world. I like to read a little bit of scripture, and I like to meditate and give the word a chance to talk back to me through the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, And I think that's so vital in our devotions, not just to to read it. And and I don't have all this down yet. Please don't think I do. But uh, it's just let God speak to us through his word. And then I like to get out and walk. You know, I'm I'm a walker. I like to get out there and watch God's handiwork come to life. I like to be able to walk on our county road. Not much traffic. Uh, I like to see the sun come up. And a lot of times I'll take my prayers out there with me and uh, I pray for this little lost and dying world and of all the hurting people. There's a lot of hurting, lonely people in our world and and, uh, they've got a story to tell. And I pray, Lord, give me a door. You know, open a door for me today. And lots of times he does. Uh, And I think it's so important when we get those opportunities to seek to understand before being understood. Seek to understand before being understood. 
Tell them I want to understand what's going on and ask, then ask good follow-up questions. Tell me, tell me more about it. How did that make you feel? And I think when you do that, people have confidence in you and they'll feel more comfortable talking to you and they'll really tell you what's really bothering them. Studies have shown no tool is more effective than to look at them like no one else matters, like they were the most important person in the room. And I'm sure we have, but have you ever had a conversation with someone? They're looking at their phone. They're looking at their watch. They're looking around everybody else in the room. How, how does that make you feel? Most of the times, let's be honest, we just shut down, don't we? And the next one is wait until they're done talking before you respond. <clears throat> Sometimes we're already thinking about what we're going to say next. And us older people really struggle with that because if we don't get it out there, we'll forget it. So, so we try to get it out there as quick as we can sometimes, but, uh, but I'm still learning. <clears throat> and this one I really have to say out on our relationship with our spouses, saying you're not listening to me. I've, I've heard that a lot, and I, I sense you might have heard it too. Uh, but I do feel marriages would improve if we would be better listeners. And, uh, and thinking on this same, same line, I, I'd feel that if we just tried to have more conversations face-to-face instead of messaging, messaging social media, and I'm, I'm guilty of messaging a lot, texting, I, I am, but you can't see somebody's pain. You can't see the expression on their face when you're not sitting down talking face to face. So I think that's another important tool for somebody that's really hurting that God brings to our mind. Go knock on their door and sit down and talk to them. And I think this is where Satan really has his heyday is in our churches of pastors not having their congregation listen. A lot of times we're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch, what we're going to do after church, maybe even what ball game we're going to watch. And I really think Satan can really take us away from what God wants us to hear from that pastor that morning. It's been a little over a year since Brother Sankey came. I'd never, I'd never met Brother Sankey. I think he came here on a Monday night camp meeting of 2022. And uh, I heard about the attack on his life. Uh, he was in the Bible Methodist Conference and we was at the time and there was a prayer went out in that conference. You know, please, please pray for Brother Sankey. And let me throw this out there. The Bible Methodist is completely different doctrine, completely different denomination of what the United Methodists are going through. I spoke to a few in this church that thought they was one the same, but I wanted to throw that out there. I spoke to a Bible Methodist pastor the other day, and he says, we're constantly having to defend ourselves. No, 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 we're not United Methodists. We're Bible Methodists. 
So I just wanted to clarify that in case some of you did not know that, and, uh, and I think it was only fair that I did that. But that first night, I can remember clearly what Brother Sankey spoke on, how to live a life with no regrets. And the first key point he brought out was meet God early. The second one was play by the rules. And the third one was just give God all you got. And I went home that night. Excuse me, I probably stayed out in the field bushhogging longer than I should have today, a little hydrated, but... I went home that night and I thought of the regrets I had. But I'm thankful they're all covered by the blood. And I remember what Paul tells us in Philippians. Look not what lies behind us, but strive to look. Forgetting what lies behind behind us, but strive to look what's ahead. But as I went to bed, I thought of an individual that I used to run around with when I was a teenager. And I hadn't seen him for probably 40 years. Uh, his, his name and photo had been in our local papers quite a bit for the last few years. And uh, he's sitting up at Marion Correctional Institution. And I got up the next morning, and his name was still on my mind. And as, you know, did my devotions and walked, Larry's was still in my mind. And I knew, excuse me, at that point, God was wanting me to reach out to Larry. It's been 40 years since I've seen him. So I started the process, and by the way, it's a lengthy process. Uh, You got to get your name in the database, and you got to give them your, your, your ID, your driver's license, and know everything about you. Three and a half months later, I finally did get approved to get in to see Larry. And uh, my time slot was 8 o'clock in the morning, so I had to get up a little earlier than usual the time I got my devotions in. But I walked through the doors up there, and, of course, it was about like an airport security. You had to scan everything. And I had a Bible. I had a Gideon Bible, and couple tracks. One of them was Tom Damon's tracks that he left out here. And uh, found out I couldn't even take a Bible back to him, which broke my heart. No tracks, no nothing. I had to lock everything up in a locker. But we went back through these double doors, and, and I'm not going to get into the whole story, but I do want to share just a little bit. And finally got to this big, big room about the size of this with little plastic chairs with a little table in between you. And uh, he told me later, he said, I had no idea who was even coming, so I didn't know who to look for. And keep in mind, this has been 40 years since I'd seen Larry. So he come in, and I recognized him and went over and talked to him. And he says, man, you're the first visitor I've had. And uh, so I said, Larry, let's sit down. I said, I'm going to be honest with you while I'm here. I heard a message that really inspired me. How to live a life with no regrets. And I think of what you might be going through, waking up every morning in here, 
now that everything's behind you, you're clean, you're sober. And uh, I knew that God was wanting me to reach out to you. So we sat down and I said, Larry, can you tell me, can you tell me what brought you here? And he did, and he started from the beginning and he started crying. He just couldn't get two or three sentences out without crying. And he says, you know that my dad and I didn't have a good relationship. He would never listen to me. And uh, then I got married at a young age, and I remember this part. Found out that he had twins, and, and later, well, he had twins and found out later that they wasn't even his. So that really broke his heart. Got a divorce, and that's really when sin really started taking a hold in his life. He tried many things. You know, he was so hurt. But I told him, I said, Larry, I said, through it all, I says, did you, did you ask God to forgive you? He said, I did. He said, I did. The second week I was here, we don't have a formal, formal church service here, but we have people that, you know, that gets together, we read scripture, and, you know, we get around and share the Bible. And, and he said, I had a group of guys get around me, and, and uh, they prayed over me the second week I was here, and and he said, I haven't felt that good in so long of a time. And I said, that's our God. He don't get out till, <clears throat> I think he told me March of 31. But uh, I want to help him. I encourage him to share his testimony of what, you know, how far sin could take you, farther than you could ever imagine. And I said, Larry, you've got a testimony to share. And hopefully you'll share it when you get out of here. But uh, I heard it said that we should listen with the ears of God so we may speak the words of God. Listen with the ears of God so we may speak the words of God. We want this church to be the hospital for sinners. And that's always been my prayer. We have to have the ears of God so we can speak the word of God. Maybe God's bringing someone to your mind. Maybe God's asking you to go somewhere you really don't want to go or somewhere you really don't want to be. I'm going to be honest with you. I love outreach ministries. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? What would Jesus do in a lot of the situations? You know, if we can't get them in the church, we've got to take church to them. It's so vital. That's what we're here for. That's what God saved us, cleaned us up for, to be the church. Brother Matt Swartz got a hold of us a few weeks ago and said they was going to a nursing home up in Mount Vernon. Brother Matt knew that we knew a lady that went to his, tended his church, and she's since got dementia really, really bad. So she's up there in Mount Vernon. Asked if we would want to go with them. And I said, sure, count us in. So we met them up there. And uh, I tell you, what a rewarding night. Those people, dear people, would come out of their rooms 
and I know you guys are involved with that. I think I've heard you talk about going to Flint Ridge and Chad, you taking the kids there, which is great. I love it. But those people would come out of their, their rooms and their little wheelchairs and I couldn't tell you what they had for dinner or lunch. But they knew, they knew the words to those hymns. People laying in their beds that couldn't get up, you could see them voicing the words to those hymns. And even the nurses, that couple at the nurses' station, we made two rounds around here, around there, and uh, even some of the, even some of the nurses, the second time around, they was listening. And I seen one little girl, a tear rolled down her cheeks. We don't know the impact we make. We really don't. Uh, and I'm thinking of <clears throat> I'm thinking of the changes we're facing here in our church. You know, there's big shoes to fill, and I know there's a lot of concern. But can I say this in a nice, loving way? Let's not be too consumed about it. Amen. The battle's not ours. It's God's. Sometimes if we fret over fret and worry too much, I think the devil can really creep in and give us doubt. I didn't mean to go into all that, but I, I felt it was proper. Uh, and before we, when I'm done here, I talked to Brother Gayhart about this today. <clears throat> I think it would be fitting for all the pastoral committee to gather around up front and have a few of us lead out in prayer and ask us just to keep the unity in our church, not to fret it. The battle's not ours, folks. It's God. Nobody likes change. Brother Troy, you talked about this Sunday. Casey, Brother Casey, you've talked about it. But I think it's important that we just give it to God and leave it with God. I, I really do. I, did, I didn't have much to say tonight, but I, I did run across this poem. I did want to share this, this with you before we do close. I ran across this a while back, and I happened to dig it up again on the Internet. It's titled, Can Anybody Hear Me? I want someone to listen to me. But I'm the only ear. Can anybody hear me? Does anybody care? Does anybody even know I'm dealing with despair? There are voices in my mind saying I should die. Will anybody even tell me they're only just a lie? Does anybody love me? Would they shed a tear? Would anybody even care if I were to disappear? The ones who preach friendship have left me all alone. The ones who are not here promise not to let me go. Can anybody see me? Does anybody care? Does anybody even know the burden that I bear? I've built up this wall to hide who I am. And now that I need help, I'm alone behind it all. Can you see the real me? Can you even try? You know, a lot of situations, as I've said, a lot of times we sit down and we talk to people and 
a lot of times we we ask people how they're doing, and we all know people like this. They really let you know. And sometimes things that you really don't care about, you know. But then I'm reminded of a parable in Matthew 25 where Jesus talks about separating the sheep from the goats. I don't want to be a goat. I'd rather have somebody rob a little bit of my time than to be a good listener. I don't know where God's asking you to go. don't know what, who he's bringing on your heart tonight. But we all know people out there who's lonely, just need someone to listen to them. Maybe they don't look like us. Maybe they don't smell like us. But they got a soul. And that's what the church is here for, to be a hospital for the sinners.